The attitude of optimism is there's a solution to every problem. There are people who need what I have, and that's the attitude you have to have. So you have to have the ability and skill set to prospect. You have to have the ability to present a persuasive presentation. Are you persuasive? There are opportunities for our work and careers everywhere, if you know where to look. That's easier said than done, especially in our fast-paced and constantly changing world. Marianne Fairmouth is talking to experts, employers, and job seekers to bring you insight and understanding about what's possible. This is Career Can Do, where we're navigating the new work world. Welcome to the Career Can Do podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate the new work world. My name is Marianne Fairmouth. I'm the host for this episode of today, and I am just delighted to have a guest on my show that I've known for a long time and I can personally validate. James Rankin is currently the Chief Marketing Officer for Moody Insurance Group, located in Texas, in Galveston, I believe. He's built several multi-million dollar sales organizations, and he's authored over 14 books on different subjects, such as sales training, philosophy, and literature. His latest book, entitled The Saltwater Poet, was awarded first place in the 2023 category of poetry with the Texas Authors Institute. As a hobby, he covers the Houston Texans as a sports writer, has penned over 200 articles for publication, and has been very active in his community through various organizations. He believes in balancing body, mind, and spirit. He's a true professional. I think the world of James, and I'm so happy to have him on the show to share all of his expertise and good info. So, after that incredibly long introduction, without further ado, help me welcome James Rankin. James, hello to everybody. You know, it's great to be here, Marianne, and I'm going to say first and foremost that the name that you have for your show is appropriate. You are Mrs. Can Do, there's no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> You're too funny. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I love what I do, and I know you do too, and I think we're both of the mindset of doing good work, but more importantly, how are we going to do that good work and help others? So, you know, you've done so many things. You've got so many accomplishments in your background and so many accolades, but James, tell us, how did you discover the world of selling? That is a fascinating question and really makes you examine your life. And by the way, the accolades really mean nothing because it's humbling. Because what you want to do and what I've learned to do is you want to share with other people. And the philosophy is this. If all I have is ignorance, that's all I can give anybody is ignorance. So if I have some accomplishments and I've been able to move the bar to help people, then that's what I can share with other people. So that's the purpose of the day is simply share great ideas. And I'm very grateful because that's exactly what happened to me. Part of my philosophy is the optimistic philosophy. I wrote the book, The Optimistic Manifesto. And one of the things I talk about in that book is it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond to what happens. So you have the power to interpret anything. And I always say the worst thing that ever happened to you could very well be the best thing. Now, to your question, I discovered selling, believe it or not, from a fist fight I had with my older brother. 
my dad, as a punishment, made me read a book. <laughs> Believe it or not, that was his punishment for me. You got to go read a book. So the book he gave me was called, believe it or not, I'm only 11 years old, but it was called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And it was written by a guy named Og Mandino. Yeah. And it made an impact even as a young kid. I recommend that to everybody who's listening. It's an amazing story. And it's, it's really about the uh, Apostle Paul who needed to learn salesmanship to promote Christianity to the world. And it's just an amazing story. I loved it. and. Once again, a lot of those principles have been embedded really in my DNA. So very happy with that. Well, what a great story. What a great story. And I love the metaphor that goes along with it about, like you said, you know, I mean, you were in a fist fight with your brother and the worst of times can be the best of times. You know, as a recruiter, you know, I do a lot in the sales area. I place a lot of salespeople. But you know, we've talked about this before in the Blue Room, James. You know, you got to be able to sell yourself first, and especially in an interview, you got to go in and really sell yourself. But when people are thinking about a sales career, what do you think really attracts people to this line of work? Well, I think first and foremost, it's the economic opportunities. Because if you really boil it down, when you work for a corporation, they alone determine your value. So I think a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, I'm worth a lot more than that. Well, let's see how you are. And so by being in sales, it really directly monitors and assesses your true value. And you'll find that when a person is in sales in a professional capacity, you're not going to see them wasting a lot of time because they know they own that time and that time has value. And what my martial art master always taught me was, it's not the time you put in, it's what you put into your time. So I think sales people, sales professionals, really value time and they want to maximize. And one of the affirmations that we teach our people is what is the best use of my time right now? And in my assessment, the best use of my time is talking to Marianne on her national podcast. So it's a pleasure to be here and thank you for allowing me to hopefully maximize my influence. Great. Well, great. You know, I think you've hit so many wonderful salient points already, but a lot of people right now, James, are in transition. And they're thinking about, what do I really want to do with my life? Where do I really want to focus my future? And a lot of people are intimidated by the sales profession. But we talked about this too in the Blue Room. In life, when you think about it, aren't we always selling ourselves? I mean, sales to me is putting yourself out there, is establishing relationships. It's making someone understand what you have to offer. But why do you think, James? People right now that are maybe on the fence about what they want to do in their future careers. Why do you think so many people are intimidated by the sales profession? That's a great question. And, and that's the question that every corporation in America needs to address. It is intimidating for those individuals who have a low self-image. And I put together a, I call it the diamond program. The diamond program really assesses the four areas that everybody needs to have. And the first is image. I always tell people that you'll never rise above your own self-assessment. So if you think you're average, you think you're mediocre, you think you're just a regular old Joe Smo, you are just a regular Joe Smo. But what's amazing about human beings is that when we can change how we think about ourselves, we will change the outcome of everything we come in contact with. So first and foremost, we need to assess how you view yourself, your self-image. 
self-image is what you see. But the second dimension, Marianne, is self-esteem. Self-esteem is how I feel about what I see. So the first thing we need to do is understand who we are. What is our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What is our potentiality? And what I learned from my grandfather was that man can live by losing their fortune. Think about it. We've all lost money. We've been in endeavors that maybe didn't work out like we wanted to. You can survive without your money, without your wealth. You can even survive without doing your purpose or doing what you really want to do in your life. But you can't survive without hope. So what I love about selling is you have hope every day. You can go shake the money tree. You have no clue what's in store for you. So that gives you optimism. It gives you hope. It gives you positive expectancy, which I believe draws things to you. It's almost like a magnet. And you know this better than anybody. Your mind is a magnet. Marianne, everything that you thought about. When I first met you and you told me, I'm thinking about writing a book. Well, guess what? How many books do you have? How many awards have you won? How many accolades have you received because of that? But it all started because you triggered your mind and it set that magnetic pulse and it's drawn everything to you. But that's only two points. The third point is meaning. You can't have activity. You can't have money. You can't have all of those wonderful things if you don't have some type of basis that really grounds you in what you're doing. I mean, what good is just making money? What good is just having pleasure if it's not meant for something? And one of my favorite authors is Viktor Franco, and I've studied his work, and I love that guy. I know he's not with us anymore, but I call him my imaginary mentor. But he said this, if you know the why, you can survive any what. So we have to have meaning. So think about this. You've got a good self-image. You've got good self-esteem. You feel good about yourself. You have meaning and purpose in your life. Man, that is a tremendous start, and that is a tremendous existence. But I like to incorporate the last point, which is philosophy. What is your life philosophy? And mine is optimism, the power of optimism. And every successful salesperson is optimistic. Nobody wants to work with a pessimistic person. I heard something a while back, Mary, and you're going to love this because it's kind of an inside joke you're going to get when I tell you this. But we look at internal optimists, which is somebody who is expecting the worst in every situation, and they're not disappointed. In fact, I used to hear it said that a pessimist is somebody who feels bad when they should feel good because they're going to feel worse when they start to feel better. You (laughs) see, it's backwards, and that's not how we're supposed to live our lives. And so when you incorporate the philosophy of, number one, expecting the very best in everything you come in contact with, and when you don't get the best, you have the power to interpret it in a positive way. So how could you lose? And so once again, our professionals who incorporate this diamond strategy are really doing well. And they're happy people, they're balanced people, and they're productive. I think you said so much there that's so right on target. And I I love the fact that you brought up Viktor Frankl and his book, Man's Search for Meaning, because I think right now, James, as far as I Thea sitting on my side of a desk as an executive recruiter. So many people are searching for meaning, are searching for purpose. And I think you nailed it when you said, you know, it all starts with us and how we feel about ourselves to be able to go forward. Now, I think you said a lot for people listening that maybe are looking to get into a new profession 
maybe looking to get into sales. But on the other side of that point, too, how do we work with employers to be able to attract and retain people? You know, I was just in Scottsdale giving a speech about the job market and the organization that I was speaking to allows these candidates to bring their spouses to these events. And they have dinners and dancing and casino night and all these cool things. And from what I'm seeing here with all these generational sector differences, companies that are doing things like that are the ones that are going to attract the right people. So you work with all kinds of corporations and do sales training, but how do you think big corporations can attract? What is your perspective on that? How can they attract and retain salespeople? One of the things that disturbs me when I speak to sales managers and sales directors of corporation is turnover. Turnover is so costly. When you compare companies that have a 20% turnover to companies that have a 50% turnover, you look at revenues, they're directly impacted. So the key is you've got to attract the right people. I had a, a wonderful experience working with a guy. I mean, when I say working, he was a great mentor to me. It was Dick Doss. And Dick wrote a book called The Theory P Formula. And I love it. And I never forgot it. I think he passed away in the 80s. But he made a major impact. And what he said was this. And it was a simple P strategy as well. In fact, it goes back to the saying that genius lies in simplicity. I think that was Beethoven. And it's really true. And a complicated mind says no every time. So our job is to take the complex and break it down to the simple. So to answer your question, the first thing we have to know is the P1 formula, which is preparation. Is the person that I'm hiring prepared for the job? That encompasses their skill set. It also encompasses their track record. Now, when I did, and I still do sales consulting, and I'm going to, those of you who are listening, who are looking for a consulting gig, I'm going to give you a million dollar idea here. And that is sales consulting can be one of the easiest things in the world, frankly, because somebody will say, James, can you meet with my guy? He was good at one time. He's in a slump. Can you help him? And I said, absolutely, I can help him. And here's the secret. The secret is three components. I look at, first of all, attitude. What is their attitude? What is attitude? It's the position or bearing as indicating action, feelings, and moods. So I assess their attitude. And if I see their attitude is good, then I go, well, there's got to be another factor here. So then we look at their skill set. Do they have the ability? As sales professionals, we need to have the ability to successfully prospect and not just find people to fog mirrors, but find qualified people to buy our products. And it's out there. The attitude of optimism is there's a solution to every problem. There are people who need what I have. And that's the attitude you have to have. So you have to have the ability and skill set to prospect. You have to have the ability to present a persuasive presentation. Are you persuasive? And if they are, I mean, I can assess people very quickly to see if they are. In fact, I have a whole program I do on the power of persuasion. And if people can incorporate that, think about the power you have when you can alter people's opinions, their attitudes, their behaviors. That is fundamental in selling. When you have that, the world is your oyster. You walk into every meeting knowing that you have that ability. So once again, do you have the skill set? Do you have the skill set to close business? And also equally as important, do you have the ability to build long-term relationships, to have retention on your business? 
A lot of people can be manipulative and get a lot of business, but it doesn't stay on the books when you're manipulative. So those are skill sets. Can you close? There's so many great presenters, but they can't close the deal. I work with people like that. And it's like, you got to learn how to close. And that's a whole nother science that we can talk about another time or today if you like. But I'm talking about developing those skills. Do they have it? Yes, they do. This guy's got a great attitude. He's got great skill set. He's still in a slump getting it done. Well, then that simply boils down to product knowledge. So follow me on this. If you're in sales, you're going to love this because this is going to help you self-master. And that's this. How's my attitude? Do I want to help people? I mean, you got love in your heart. You want to help the human condition. I've got the skill set to do it, and I know my product. You put those three ingredients together, it's going to be hard to beat you. It really is. Right. You ask me what attracts people to sales, Marianne. Another thing is competitiveness. I love to compete. I say, bring it. Let's take a look at it. I'll look at my competition and size it up. And if it's better, I'm going to say, hey, you got to go with this other company. But that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Well, I'm really resonating with what you're saying because I'm, again, a recruiter and I'm sending people on interviews for sales jobs. And I will say that what got the job pre-COVID is not the same that gets the job post-COVID. And by that, I mean pre-COVID, James, clients would say, well, you know, why should I hire you? Well, I was third in my class. I've been promoted three times in five years. I've always done well with people. Now, what they want to hear is just what you said. I've done my research. I know what your product is, and I know people out there that I've worked with before that you might not have that are going to want to buy it. So it's the person that's going to come in and be prepared and tell them how by hiring them is going to make a difference on their bottom line. But more importantly, I think, too, it's about a person that is about post-COVID is about relationships, is about making an contribution to helping others. I cannot tell you how many candidates I've sent that had exact experience post-COVID, but they interview the way they did pre-COVID and they don't get the job. What people are looking for now, in my opinion, and now you're the pro in sales training, but as a recruiter, what I'm seeing is people that are going to, like what you just said, do the research, do their homework, know who the company's clients are, but more importantly, can present and then also can explain to the client that they know how to do the closing. The closing process is probably the most important one and it's the challenging one. But I do think, and tell me if you agree, that the sales process has changed since COVID. Absolutely, it has. In fact, I think with COVID, we're seeing a longer sales cycle. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, I used to always tell people years ago, and I know this was probably outdated, but I would say if you close the first time, you get to keep 100% of your compensation. If you have to go back, you just cut it in half. If you have to go back uh, two other times, you're losing money. Can you imagine losing money on making a sale? But that's, that's how the mentality was in the past. It's not that way anymore. And I'll tell you why. It's based on relationships. Because if I have a solid relationship, this person not only becomes my client, becomes my advocate. It becomes my influence. And when I can get that person on my team, they're helping me get in front of like-minded people. And I am growing my practice dramatically. Well, That's think... the secret. Also, Marianne, the key is, I think professional salespeople now, 
don't need to just focus on selling. We need to be experts in the art of marketing. Marketing is the creation of interest. That interest leads to a sales presentation, which then leads to a sell. And if we can get that in our minds, we become more valuable to our companies. Well, I think you're exactly right. Also, with social media right now, the marketing process is where it all begins. It's got to be done correctly and got to be done right. And that's where, you know, I think people could really use your service because you know exactly how to do that and how what the things you have to do that'll get the results and what the things that'll do that won't. And so I think that's very important. The other thing too, James, that I think is worth mentioning here, and I think you'll agree with me because we're both of this mindset, is that at the bottom line and the common denominator of the sales process, in my opinion, is trust. The prospect, the person that you're selling to, have to be feeling like they can trust you, that you have their best interest at heart. Can any relationship, whether it's business or personal, trust part is the common denominator. Don't you think that's true, James? Oh, absolutely. It's fundamental. You'd have to be a psychopath to tell somebody something that the product will do that it will not do. I can't tolerate that. You want to have ethics because that's what fuels you. That's what gives you the confidence and poise in your presentation because you know the value. You are excited about what you do because you know the value of what you accomplish. You've seen results of it. And that's part of it is having documentation that my work has value. I'm helping corporations. You're helping place people. And that resonates with people, period. So, yes, you have to have ethics. I can't have a long-term relationship with anybody if they're not ethical. Yeah, I think you're right. And I remember one time I was a junior recruiter. I worked for somebody else. At that time, they advertised in the newspaper for position. And that's how I would get my leads. That's not the way they do it anymore. We didn't have LinkedIn. We didn't have Career Builder. We didn't have all those, but we we had to look in the newspaper. And I saw this big, huge company. They had this really was, in fact, it was in your industry. It was in the investment industry, insurance industry. And I called them and the lady said, you know, we we're working with two other recruiters. And I said, well, I see this position you've had in the paper has been open for a couple of months and I have a person for you. Did you do? I said, yes, I do. So I went over there and I brought the resume and told her why I thought the person was right. She said, you know, you've done your homework. I'm impressed with you. She said, let me talk to the manager. We work with two other big agencies right now, but let me see if we can get out a third. I went back to my boss and told my boss and she said, well, you know, I'm impressed that you did that. She said, if they decide they want to visit with you, I want to go with you on the call. So we went on the call together and the HR VP said, you know, I'm impressed with your company and with this rep because she took the time to learn about what this position is and who would be right for it. So I guess what that told me was, I think in sales, we have to take the time to do the due diligence, to understand like what you just said, understand the client, understand what they need, have them trust us, and then cultivate the relationship. But, you know, James, I've always been in awe of you. I mean, you work for such a very influential, solid company that's been around forever. You help so many people and you do a lot of volunteer work. You write and you've been so successful at all the books that you've written and the beautiful covers that you've designed and all the different things. But at the end of the day, when I think of James Rankin, when I think of is a person that is honest, is smart, wants to help others, that gets results. And I think anyone out there listening to this, whether you're having a challenge with your salespeople and you've got heavy turnover and the great resignation is looking you in the eye, or if you're a candidate 
and you're really not sure where you want to go from here. James Rankin is the kind of person that'll tell you the truth, that'll help you get on the right path, and that will help you move forward. So we're kind of getting near the end here. James, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Thank you very much. It's James R at MoodyGroup.com. James R at MoodyGroup.com. And I appreciate the opportunity. My phone number is 800 252 4002, extension 114. And Marianne, if I do pass in this next 10 years, you're going to do my eulogy, okay? So I'm just going to put you down right now. <laughs> Don't say that. We need you around. You're not going anywhere. Okay, listen. Pretty- you had to leave our listeners with two tips, two salient tips, because I always like to leave at the end our listeners with two important tips they can take with them. What would those two tips be? For somebody who, let's say, is thinking about the sales career or somebody that's trying to hire the right people. No, that's beautiful. And thank you for that opportunity. I would say that it was Maslow, Abraham Maslow, who said it best. He says, every human being has inherited within themselves the desire to want to improve. So that would be the first point. And that is know that you're not stuck with you. Every day, you can change something about you. You can get better, smarter, stronger, thinner, fatter, faster, slower. Whatever your desire is, you have the power to change that and to discover who you are. That would be the first point. The second point, and that is if you've ever wanted to get out of that corporate, I shouldn't say rad race, but sometimes it is. Sometimes people are miserable. I see them every day. But to get out into the sales field, to use your ability, your expertise. And part of my coaching is really discovering where a person's passion is and then how can they make money selling that passionate desire. Think about it. You know, if I love tennis and I love tennis rackets, you know, why not sell tennis rackets, right? Or golf clubs. Or I have a buddy of mine who is a scientist, has a PhD, always loved cruising. Well, guess what he's doing now? He owns a cruise company. So he helps other people book cruises. He travels all over the world doing these cruises. And it was all because he sat down, took inventory, and found out what his passion was. So once again, self-discover would be the first point. The second point, how can I make money working in a profession where it reinforces my passion? That's great. That's wonderful. I love that. Well, James, I am just so thrilled that you took the time out of your busy schedule to be on Career Can Do. You know I'm one of your biggest fans. I've always learned so much from you, and I feel so grateful that many years ago I met you at a very influential international group. Anyway, for all of you out there, if you need to get some coaching on the sales career area path, or if you're a company really stressed with hiring the wrong people, or you just don't know what you're doing wrong or what you can do better to attract the right ones, Give James Rankin a call. All of his information will be on my website. Uh, he's a wonderful man. I trust him. I think he's got a wonderful heart. He's got a great brain. And he's somebody that's going to help you. So, James, thank you so much. This is Career Can Do. This is Marianne Fairmouth. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Marianne. You're a special lady. We thank you for tuning in to our Career Can Do podcast. We make no guarantees on results for your particular quest, but we hope you enjoy the information presented. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely that of the guest or speaker 
and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Mary Ann Fairmouth and Fairmouth and Company. Thank you.